I don't really know what you were meant to tell your friends about it. It's two guys rambling on about bollocks. But, you know, that's what it's all about in the end of the day, isn't it? Skeptical Podcast. I'm Matt, I'm the producer of this show and long-time suffering friend of political commentator and co-host Ben Kelly. Hello. You can find Ben at Skeptical on Twitter, where his views are his and his alone. Just a little disclaimer there. This podcast is usually about news and current affairs, but we also bollock on about the other stuff from our pathetic lives as fed-up, nearly middle-aged dads. Please enjoy. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, yeah. We seem to do this every time. We just say, hello, how are you? And you say, I'm very well, how are you? I say, perfectly yes, normal right, way, you, Perfectly normal way of greeting each other, Matt. No need to point out. That's very true. Valid. Very valid. What are you talking about today? We're talking about working from home. Flexible working. Is it going to become a thing or not? How is your experience? I mean, flexible working is already a thing. Working from home is already a thing. Yes, it is. But is this the point at which it becomes a revolution in a new way of working? A lot of people are saying so, Matt. Are they right? We'll find out over the next 25 minutes. So from August the 1st, we're going to be officially advised to return to our workplaces. Yep, you have to wear face masks in shops and on public transport. You can only see one household at a time. We have to social distance in pubs and restaurants and reserve tables. You can't travel to Spain without being quarantined. And we're being warned about a second wave. But yeah, let's flood back into the offices by all means. Surprise, surprise, a lot of people don't want to just yet. And a lot of employers are quite happy with current arrangements. Cue the Daily Mail getting very upset and despairing at major companies not planning for the majority of workers to return to offices until the end of the year. Some firms such as KPMG, Google, RBS, Microsoft, Facebook, Coca-Cola and many more are not planning to ask their employees to return until next year. The Daily Mail urged Downing Street to toughen up its back-to-work message. And then Nick Ferrari read this and got very upset on his LBC show, didn't he? Yes, Nick Ferrari, mouthpiece of the gammons. This is ridiculous, he said. This does not work. People need to go up to their places of work. Now, Nick Ferrari said he didn't want to tell these companies how to run their businesses before telling these companies how to run their businesses. You know why we have offices, don't you? He said. Yeah, so you can actually do some damn work. Because Nick says, well, all the Jimmy Jam's doing nothing all day. Which is interesting, really, because uh, I think all these companies seem to be doing just fine, Nick. Maybe, just maybe, Nick doesn't know what he's talking about. Could be. Not that I want to devalue his work, sitting on his fat ass talking bollocks all day with no evidence, no intelligent analysis. Fucking pointless, but you know. Trouble is, we've been told for months to stay at home and hide from a virus, Nick. A virus that's killed 50,000 people. If you're productive and happy working from home, why do you want to take that risk? Why do employers want to risk being responsible for their staff getting ill or take the risk of the virus spreading and causing staff shortages? I'm shocked that Nick Ferrari has given this so little thought. Everyday heroes like me, we've plucked up the courage to have a pint, have a slap-up meal, but you know what? We're not ready to rush back to our COVID-ready offices just to support our local shell garage or Costa or Subway, like I give a fuck. I'm getting work done, 
and I'm enjoying a new work-life balance. I've got 70 minutes back a day. I only have a short commute. Imagine people who have to get the train or buses or people who have long drives feel. It's no wonder that some people are happy with new arrangements and many companies are already saying they're going to move to a hybrid model or flexible working. And working from home doesn't work for everyone, especially those who don't have the space to work at home, but flexible working is going to become more of a thing. It's going to be disruptive, jobs will be lost, less office space will be needed, fewer businesses needed to serve commuters, but things change and we have to adapt. I'm sure we will. I mean, does it really sound that bad? People could move out of the city and boost our towns and villages. Some old office space can be repurposed to create new homes and retail spaces. And new jobs will be created to serve the needs of remote workers. The 9 to 5 work shift in a distant office is a pretty new thing. Now technology is changing things and habits are changing with it. There's going to be less need for business travel, less need for face-to-face -face meetings, less need for office space. Change is coming, technology is speeding up and this pandemic has sped it up even more. Change is coming, so get your fat ass out of the way, Nick. I'm normally quite uh, sceptical when people talk about these major permanent changes coming. So I've read quite a few good articles about how uh, flexible working might become even more of a thing than it is already uh, and how remote working is going to be more of a thing from now on. So I'm not sure if it's going to be as you know, a complete revolution. I guess it how, how long it goes on for. It depends how long it goes on for. But... Even if there's a you know small proportion of uh, companies that decide to cut back on office space and people that want to work remotely, then that's going to lead to a, a massive change in the way the economy works. Uh, I've been working home for four months now, and it's it's worked pretty well. Uh, you started a new job in that time, so how has it been starting a new job in that time, remote working? Um, yeah, it has been weird. I mean, I have worked from home quite a bit in a previous job anyway. So it's not yeah. completely alien, but um, starting a new job is is weird. It's just just the natural, like normal stuff that you do in an office environment, yeah. where you're like um, meeting people, like you, who you might not even work with. You just kind of when you, you're getting a coffee and you might just talk to somebody. Yeah, just like natural interactions with people. Yeah. So right now, if I want to talk talk to somebody about nothing, it's pretty hard for me to do that. I'm always like looking in people's diaries and. Um, making sure I've got like something important to use up their time with. If I want to talk to them, I can't just, they do try and do things, give you plat like space for like talking about nothing. Cause that is um, seen identified as a gap. Yeah. But as a new person coming into that situation, it is Not so quite, easy, it is it? quite difficult. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty strange. We've tried in my workplace, tried to keep up that sort of chatting, but we already knew each other. So it's a lot easier. Obviously you've gone into like, a senior position where presumably people are working under you. I would think that was quite challenging to take over like a team, to be like leading a team when you haven't actually met any of them. Yeah, it's strange. To be honest though, the the I would say for me, the benefits definitely outweigh the negatives. And it's just like the fact that I don't have to commute for two hours a day. Yeah. Going in and out of London. It's your classic example actually, because you're in a commuter time in a hitching, commuting to London um classic example of people who aren't doing that now what which is why the the whole design of the city center of london uh is basically suddenly maybe temporarily but at the moment obsolete because the commuters just aren't there large parts of the capital just 
you know, aren't full of the people who would normally be there. How long could that go on for, you know? Well, it, I don't know. For me, it, this part of this seems a bit like it's the... I feel like we've had this, like, promise made to us over over the few years of, like, uh, the advancements in technology should um, make life easier and bring about, like, kind of change in some way. Yeah, this yeah. feels like it's, like, coming home to roost. This is like, oh, technology has done this for us. Yeah. It, it means that we don't need to do all of that crap anymore. We can have more of our, like, lives back. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, surely just a positive thing. And I don't give a fuck if Pret has to close down. On my commute to work, who am I? I'm supporting, what, a garage, a shell garage, a subway, a McDonald's. And I'm, I'm not rushing back to work to support these. <laughs> you know, we're not all just talking about small businesses here. Like, the thing is, it's it's sometimes hard to see such a profound change coming, but nine to five in an office is an artificial construct. It doesn't have to last forever. Things could change. How's your uh, personal routine in your house, uh, working from home? Well, that varies. I mean, it does, it does does bring out the worst in it sometimes. You know, and you're just like, eh, I'm not going to get a shower now. I'll get a shower later. And then he's basically by um, the afternoon or something, yeah, pretty smell pretty ripe. <laughs> 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 but like, yeah, because all you have to do is present yourself on a video call. So you just need to look reasonable from the top half up. They can't smell you. They don't know they have not changed your clothes. It doesn't always bring the best out of me, to be fair, but. Yeah. I definitely noticed in previous jobs when I'd work from home, I could basically get the same amount of work done, but I felt like I was putting in about half the amount of effort. Well, kind of. And I think that there's a lot said about productivity dropping from home, but I'm quite capable of getting distracted in the office, to be honest, there's, you know, talking to people yeah. or just, you know, mind wandering. It's no real difference, to be honest. It's a bit less, the parameters between nine to five become less less clear, which works better for me anyway, because I work in bursts, do a lot of writing in my job in particular. So works all right for me. So yeah, that's interesting what you say. You do get distracted in the, in the office, uh, you know, like I do. I think at home it feels like, yes, maybe it's amplified. It's like I can, if I'm on my own, I can just be like, well, I'm literally not even looking at the computer. I'm, I don't know, play, play on the Xbox or something, but I'm still doing the same. I'm basically doing the same amount of work yeah. as what I was doing before. Like I say, not so much in this job, I haven't really noticed that. But in my previous jobs, I've, I've, no, I've noticed that more. <laughs> so what are your work saying about going back to the office? I, I really have no indication whatsoever of when they might say, right, everyone back in the office, because it's a very difficult decision for any company to make. And also, circumstances might change, because we don't know what's going to happen in the winter. You know, it's uh, July now. Beginning of August, companies have been told that they can then decide for themselves. I think there'll be a delay then. Then you go into September, maybe. And I know for a fact that some people have told me that their own companies are not open until January. Uh, and if there's a second wave in the winter, then that might change things as well. So really uncertain about it. I spoke to somebody who works for Public Health England today. And they said there will be a second lockdown mm. in September. Well, it's happening in Australia, isn't it? In Melbourne, they're, yeah. they're struggling to to control the outbreak. Melbourne, uh, Melbourne. I don't, I don't say the that city name very often, so I think that's why I got it wrong. Melbourne biscuits. Melbourne biscuits. Um, so it's you don't know. It's like my wife is is now being said that she is on a list to wait for an operation, but we'd have to go into self isolation for fourteen days. But also, she might not be able to have it because circumstances could change dramatically. So it's still a. It's still un- all the uncertainty. It's just like classic, you know, what we've been saying from the start. Every time restrictions are lifted, 
it's, it's tainted by the fact that things could change at any time. As much as we hope that things might um, improve from here on in, things could get worse very quickly. We're just not sure yet. My wife can't have her operation. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what the hell was I going to say? Like you say, a two-hour's commute, you're on a train. If you can work from home anywhere several days a week, that's crazy. I haven't even got a long commute, but you still lose. You can still lose an hour or so a day on my commute. You know, and then I know other people are losing three hours a day from going long journeys to get to where they work. What is, you know, if mm. that isn't necessary, what is the benefit of that five days a week? Four grand a year, by the way, as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth staying exactly. on. Exactly. It all adds up and it's, you know, fuel and various other things that, that costs that add up, you know. You know, when you go into the office, like, like they're saying now, the problem is with businesses that rely on commuters because the commuters are going, you know, they're buying the petrol, buying snacks from shops, buying lunch. But that's also, you know, from a commuter's point of view, that's a lot of money possibly, you know, wasted really. Yeah, when yeah. you could just be saving money by sorting yourself out of home or working from home more. So Sorting yourself out of home. <laughs> Whatever that might mean. <laughs> People can't see the signal you're making them that. Grow up for God's sake. <laughs> sorting yourself out of home. Yeah. I mean, it depends who's here. Otherwise, yeah, three or four times. It's better than doing it at the office. Yeah, I know. That was always annoying when you had to do it at the office. Slinking off, mm. you know, waiting people to go on the lunch or just sneakily doing it in your trousers under the desk, you know. Go on. <laughs> go on. Not going to go on. <laughs> this is the Me Too era. Definitely shouldn't be going on. Uh, none of this is true, by the way. Disclaimer. Go on, you, go you, on, go on. Guess you can't get a joke. Here you're a masturbator now. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you're a masturbator now, father. Uh, that was my Irish accent. Brilliant. Glad that's on record. I cannot do accents. The accents I can do stretch to uh, East Yorkshire guy from Hull and Beverly. My accent. All right. Yeah. So you are crap at accents. Have we got? Um, should we round off this section? Have you got anything else you like? Has been in the back of your mind that you wanted to talk about with this subject? Because the other interesting aspect of this is like, what if there if there is a vaccine around the corner? Um, one of the scientific advisors was think, saying that it could be by Christmas or not long after it. Then you know these changes won't be quite as extensive. We think I do think there'll be permanent changes to remote working, but I think that the major cultural changes will be less extensive if it the whole thing sort of lasts a bit less time. If we, you know, people are talking about oh, we'll never shake hands again. People won't kiss on each, each other's cheeks. People won't want to go to nightclubs. And that's all going to be bullshit if in about six, you know, eight months or whatever, people are taking a vaccine and uh, there's effective treatment that prevents people having to go on to ventilators and in intensive care. Then, you know, some of these changes won't be quite as major. We will return to some kind of normality sooner than we'd expected. So it's the uncertainty that's, that's a very, you know, very strange time to live in when we just don't know what's going on. We don't know how bad the damage to the economy is going to be. We don't know how many major societal changes are going to be. And so I'll round it up by saying that uh, I've sort of lost the thread of the conversation. We should probably just end it now. <laughs> All right, so let's start the next bit. Let's start the next bit, which is random shit, which I haven't really prepared much. I've got, I've got a list of questions or a list of things just to, just to like talk about. 
One of the first ones is, well, I guess it's pertinent right now, is your Twitter followers. You seem to have been uh, fixated on your Twitter followers today. What's that? I um, basically, I'm addicted to Twitter, so I'm on it on a healthy amount. And I still sometimes go, there'll be like several weeks in a row where I might not tweet on it, but I'll still be reading it. I check it constantly. It's not healthy, but um, it is not something I would find difficult to, it's, it's something I would find difficult to give up because it's a, it's a means of uh, self-promotion. Uh, it's it's been a tool that I've used uh, to get as far as I am. Like so today, yeah, I was focused on the followers because I got a lot of followers today because I was complimented by a writer that I respect who writes for the New Statement Statesman called uh, Stephen Bush, and then I, I I took it upon myself to write about, about a bit about to get bored, getting bored now. Um, you said you got a, yeah, you had a follow, follower gasm. What was that? What was a follower gasm? Well, they say, isn't it, the, about social media, you get the endorphin hit when you get new followers if you're, uh, if you're into your social media. And I, I get that on Twitter. You know, more that each time you get new followers, I get off on that. Like, I know it's sad what? and I know it's wrong, but... Get off all over your followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, I lose quite a lot of followers because in my first few years on Twitter, I just followed anyone back. And did these follow train things, and and I've got I don't even use my timeline anymore. You know the people you follow and all the things they tweet because some of the people I follow are completely mental. All right, next thing on the list: something you were scared of as a child. E.T. That's a film that gave me nightmares. I still don't want to watch it. E.T. The extraterrestrial used to come to me, wrap me up in a blanket, and kidnap me in the night. So. Make of that what you will about my childhood, but that guy, if he ever fucking confronts me, I'll be beating him with sticks. Because that fucking guy is... My, my wife, when she bought me a record player, bought me a soundtrack to E.T. as a laugh, and I still have, will not fucking listen to it. Evil bastard. I mean, I used to find that film disturbing when I was a kid. It's the yeah, bit where he's the... ill and white, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, with the, the, the guys in the, like, COVID-19 outfits. <laughs> that was the what thing. gave you nightmares as a kid? Um, well, I had Total Recall. Ah, uh, yeah, you said that, yeah, yeah. That Total Recall, freaky. which my uncle showed to me when I was six, and I threw up a whole bag of mini eggs <laughs> in the kitchen sink. Um, so I couldn't eat, I couldn't eat mini eggs until I was like 20 odd. And I, I mean, yeah, t- t- I mean, t- don't show Total Recall to a six-year-old child, is what I would say. Very yeah. disturbing. The guy inside the stomach, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's heads, uh, eyes popping out of his head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Some weird shit. The, yeah. the woman with the three breasts. I mean, yeah. I wasn't even old enough to be like titillated by that. It was just, it was just disturbing. That's why it's so mm. weird that I, I saw stuff like that. I saw Robocop, uh, Terminator, all those kind of uh, Rambo, Commando, all those films very, very young. But the film, for some reason, that gave me not, not just one nightmare, I'm talking about recurring nightmares that scarred my childhood, was E.T., the extraterrestrial, the sweet Steven Spielberg film. And uh, I still kind of want to beat him with a bat, just you know. Nice. Don't trust him. Beat him off. Beat him off. <laughs> want to beat him off? Yeah. Fucking dirty pedo alien. Been doing any DIY recently? <laughs> no, there is plenty to do in my house, but I am not approaching it after the tap fiasco. Uh, my main tap needs fixing. Not going to attempt that. I, I'm ashamed to say I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. There's no jobs in this house that I can't fuck up. So no. What about yourself? Are you do attempted to do any? No, I'm working for a living. Um, okay. I'll tell you what though. Tell you what though. If you want a DIY tip, yeah, yeah. 
by the by the way. Yes. Um, so you know that mould you get in your uh, grout in your bathroom? I do, Matt. Very big problem for me, actually. Sort of black sort of stuff. Yeah, black sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right, Ben. That's right. Okay. Well, if you if you know anything about this, then then um, you try and scrub that shit away. You scrub bleach onto it or yeah. you scrub well, anything onto it. You can't get rid of it. You think like, oh, I'm just going to have to like re-grout my bathroom. This one simple trick. You do this thing. I will put the, I will send you the YouTube link. I'll mm. put it on, you can put it in the description of the podcast. Okay, yes, of course. We should do that. Yeah, excellent. Uh, the, the, because it's a beautiful video as well. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. I just think, uh, I think everybody should know about it. Yeah, and just and in obviously case. Obviously, we, we just set we just set that up and it was a bit fake. That's why we're talking like assholes when we're doing it. because It's because I do actually care about it quite a lot. Yeah. Because it's, it's you know, it's quite an important thing and it's quite a revolutionary experience. And I want as many people to experience it as possible. Hi there. Well, if you're like me, you've maybe had your bathroom fitted a year or two back now. It looked absolutely fantastic to start with, totally waterproof, silicon sealant round the edge of the bath. But slowly but surely, maybe a year or two later, the mould starts to grow. Black mould, which is very unsightly. Maybe too like me, you've been to all the shops and bought the uh, mould removal liquids, sprays, cloths, but just nothing seems to work. I was in that same position, but eventually found this sure method of actually removing the mould once and for all. What you're going to need are three things. First of all, some very strong household bleach. Secondly, no expense spared, two sheets of toilet paper, for this demonstration anyway. And also some protection for your hands, some good quality vinyl gloves or something, because your fingers are going to be involved in touching the bleach, and it's really strong stuff, so please take extra care not to get any on your skin. So what we're going to do first is just take our two sheets of toilet paper and just roll them, roll them up, wrap them, uh, to form a sort of a long sausage-shaped tube. This, this is going to have the effect of just supporting the bleach while it's on the silicon sealant. Okay, you're now going to take the bleach and give a liberal squirt of the bleach liquid down onto the mould area. And then we're going to take our toilet paper roll that we made earlier and just place it on top of the mould let it soak up the bleach just to hold the, the bleach in place because it's going to be there for some time and the last thing you want is just for the bleach to run off and have no effect so that's the idea of the toilet paper just to, to keep that bleach on top of the mould what I've waited for this demo is about 12 hours so you know, do it first thing in the morning come to it at night do it in the evening and uh, leave it overnight come to it in the morning and uh, then we see what the effect has been. Okay, 12 hours later, give or take, we carefully, with our protection on our hands again, with the vinyl glove, remove the toilet paper, discard it down the loo or in a, a bag, a protective bag of some sort. And what do we find? Look at that. The mold has gone. Fantastic. 
and very little effort, no scrubbing, no scraping, no removing the silicon sealant. Just let the bleach do its job quite a few hours, maybe 12 hours, and then remove the paper, give it a good wash down to remove all the bleach that might be left around these edges. And there you have it, a brand new looking silicon sealant around your bath. Good as new, last you another few years now. You've obviously spotted that I've left quite a bit of uh, mould still to the right of the area I've just treated and that's really just to have a comparison there to show you for this video what's been involved. So I better get to and uh, do the rest of the bath now. Thanks for watching. Bye. We're willing to take sponsorships from cleaning companies or, you know. Yeah, like a bleach or a toilet roll company? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd take it. I mean, I prefer a beer company, but as we both, said before. Both? I'd literally take any money from anyone. Tobacco companies, I'm willing to sell cigarettes. No. Anything. Yeah, I mean, I just need the money. Really. free ones. You know, <laughs> yeah. Lifetime supply. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take them. You never know. I'll need them. So, you know, Ben and Matt like to smoke. Benson and Hedges, you know. That's fine. Is that legal? I don't think it is, is it? A podcast regulated in that way? I don't know. I'm willing to try it out. My integrity is long since drained away, so, you know, I've already sold out in my young person, my younger self's perception of my older self. It's, it's long gone now, so. Yeah, <laughs> any sponsorship deals? We've got a, a huge... I mean, li- if we got, like, we, like you and I have talked about before, if we got sponsored by a beer company, for me, that would be like the pen, the out, absolute pinnacle of yeah. like what like one of those beer clubs yeah. that sends you some every month i'd be well up for that yeah, yeah. beer 52 i'll name them right now if you want to sponsor me yeah great we've got we've got at this, least this podcast is going places get in there early <laughs> while it's cheap give you a good deal mate boom <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think we've got to do an end then haven't we got to do an end okay so the end you, you want to do an, to do an end so what i would like to say um, if you're going to ask me what I would like to say, which you, I think you're about to. So I guess you and I have started this out. And if there are any people listening, I know there are some people listening, um, in terms of what people can do to help us, just like shit and subscribe to stuff. And if possible, tell your friends, share it. Share it on social media. Yeah. Networks. Yeah. yeah, please. Would mean a huge amount. Would mean a huge amount. It would. We're not expecting a lot at this stage, are we? But, you know, follow me on Twitter at The Skeptic Isle. Share the podcast. I don't really know what you were meant to tell your friends about it. It's two guys rambling on about bollocks. But, you know, that's what it's all about in the end of the day, isn't it? You know, if you like the podcast, let people know. And uh, give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts, telling us how great we are, please. There's a few reviews on there, but some of them may or may not be written by aliases of people I know. So any real people who want to review us, that'd be good. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. Well, goodbye, folks. Enjoy enjoy yourselves. Look after each other. And each, tell, your, tell each other to look after those other people that you don't know as well. That's a very nice sentiment, Matt. Goodbye. Thank you.